Kaboom. Here we are. We are official now. We are live, rolling, and uh, to tens and tens of people. Um, <laughs> uh, my name is Mike Mills, and uh, this is the Texas uh, Real Estate and Finance Podcast. And um, I'm a local lender here in DFW, and uh, do this usually once or twice a week. Uh, talk to people in different aspects of finance and real estate. Sometimes I get off the beaten path a little bit just because I have my own interests. But this week. Um, is very specific to real estate and something that I uh, have a great interest in and brought a good friend of mine, uh, Joel Verinder, in to talk to me today about uh, short-term rentals or uh, uh, STRs, as uh, I, I've learned recently that they're frequently called. I'm I'm not uh, well-versed in all the acronyms all the time, but um, so when we, when we say STR multiple times, then you'll know that that stands for short-term rental. So uh, Joel is... Um, He's got several properties that he uh, runs and manages as short-term rentals, um, is uh, working on his own podcast where he and his partner discuss this kind of stuff. And it's where I got the idea to bring him in and talk to him because I watched a couple of their episodes that they did and th thought it was very helpful. Uh, so I want to learn a little bit about my little bit myself because my wife and I have a couple properties that uh, are short-term rentals that we run. And, um, and so I'm looking for tips and I'm looking to how to fix all my problems. So Joel's here to help me with all that, and we're going to dive into that too. So, um, to start with, Joel, tell me about uh, like what you were doing prior to getting into all this. Because how many years have you actually owned your properties? Like the very first one you bought? Uh, yeah, so we've been in long term rentals um, since like maybe two thousand four. Okay, like so that. for a little while, for a while, but only long terms, and then we moved into short terms uh just in 2020 so okay so uh, not too long just a couple just years three years here okay so well that's even better so you did the long-term rentals previously mm -hmm. and had done those for a long time and then got into the short term or do you have do you still have your long terms yeah we still have three long terms okay. here in dallas fort worth all right did you uh did you have more prior to that and got rid of some and focus on this a little more oh uh, i think at highest we just had four i think and then we um converted one okay no okay we, we had a um our plan initially was to get like one long-term rental per kiddo. Okay. And it was the, uh, the that was the college, college plan. plan. Okay. Right? Gotcha. Instead of the, uh, I mean, we still do 401ks and all that good stuff, but it was yeah. just a, a different way right. to diversify. Right. Um, we were very much rookies and had no clue. And yes, but uh, it seemed to be working, um, but you know, we didn't really have any good plan. It was just, you know, you keep saving, saving, maybe get a bonus and work. And, yeah. And then there's another, um, 1700 square foot, three, two long-term rental. Well, see, the reason I wanted to have you here is because I think if you, if people go online and they're looking for things regarding short-term rentals and long-term rentals and how to invest and all that kind of stuff, more often than not, they're going to come across the quote unquote experts, right? The people that, oh, I've got 35 of them and I've been doing for 50 years and they have all the answers and all the solutions. And, and it sounds great, but, but for me, I always prefer to hear from somebody who is, you know, figuring it out as they go kind of a thing where it's not, nobody's claiming to know everything there is to know about it. Because I think when you learn about people's mistakes and pitfalls that they have as they go through the process, then you tend to um, get real world examples of how it actually goes as opposed to some guy selling you an online course that he's going to charge, you know, you $60 a month to solve all the problems and answer all the questions. So, um, and I know anytime you start off, whether it be long-term or short-term, you know, there's going to be stuff that you do that you're like, man, I really wish we hadn't done that. <laughs> I wish we'd have done it this way. And, right. you know, you kind of learn as you get better. So what um, initially what kind of pushed you from going from 
long-term to short-term rentals? Like what made you make the switch? So first of all, I think it's pretty awesome. You're asking me questions because when we first got to know you guys was back in, uh, 2017 uh -huh. when you were, uh, coaching, uh, our lady wildcats. That's uh, right. Yes. Yes. Girls. Managing my best you, uh, ability to yeah, coach. And you yeah. were the subject matter experts. So. Yes. Well, I, I know about on, the yeah. finance part of it and my, uh, <laughs> my wife knows how to sell real estate and, and, and help people buy it. But when it comes to actually how to run these things, because it's one thing to buy and sell. It's a whole other thing yeah. to manage it and operate it, which is what you guys are doing. So, yeah, no, we, um, you know, we got started, you know, like anything, it, people have a big change because something, some big event happens in our right. life, right. And, and requires some action and uh, was kind of fueling it. And so for us, it was, um, I had lost a job in 2020 okay. and I'm in healthcare IT. So what I do is we've done for 20 something years. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just with COVID and uh, hospitals weren't making as much money as, as they were, you know, they were, they were busy, but yeah. they were busy with COVID. It doesn't right. pay the bills. Yep. Um, so, uh, you know, I lost my job and we've got a, uh, a property out in Cedar Creek Lake as well. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it was kind of sitting there. And at the moment we're like, well, why don't we just try this, see what it works. Yeah. It'll be a little test at the lake. And, um, you know, we're about an hour and a half away or something. And uh, so we, we turned it on and, got going yeah and i think maybe we had a ten thousand dollar month in there in june or something wow. like that and i was opened my eyes i'm like wow this would be awesome if we could do this at a place that actually had like an industry for short-term rentals because right it's tough at the lake right because yes they've got a lot of cleaners and maintenance guys but they don't really understand uh what it means to leave something like ready for a guest you know right Yes. Um, it's not like a hotel. It's just, they're just coming in to clean right. the house or doing whatever. Our cleaners just want to show up on Tuesdays. I'm like, yeah. no, 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 I yeah. need you on, like, could be like Monday, right. Wednesday, and Friday. Right, right. That's right. a lot of money. Yes. They're like, no, just Tuesdays. Like, <laughs> it doesn't really work. So, um, so that's where we got started. We kind of proved it out. Uh, it was painful, I think, at start just because we, we had no clue. And yeah, uh, we were, we were doing it all ourselves remotely. So we're driving out there because sometimes we got a cleaner that would show up on a Tuesday and sometimes not. So right. we were cleaning it and not fun, but you know, you don't have a job. You, you do what you have to do. Yeah. Right? You make it work. And um, so it proved out. And so that was uh, in summer of 2020. Uh, at that time we had a uh, long-term rental that we had just kind of restored, I guess, after uh, a tenant. And so we were going to sell it. And so we transitioned we sold it and we transitioned that long-term rental into our first short-term Okay. Uh, in July of 2020. So, um, so yeah, we kind of did this little test, I guess, at the lake and right. it worked and then uh, opened my eyes to figure out well, where could we do this on scale on, I don't want to say at scale at that point, but it was just uh, where can we do this um, that has an industry yeah. that can support it. Um, and we knew that we, at that time, we weren't looking forward to staying in Texas as all of our long-term rentals are in Texas. Property taxes were killing us. Yes. And we had, we were on my list was looking at the states that have low property taxes and no state income. Uh, is there like two of those? There goes Tennessee. <laughs> Tennessee is right on top of the list. Yes. And then uh, yeah. digging into it a little bit further, you know, they've got. So wait, wait, Tennessee uh, has no property taxes and no state income tax? Well, they have property taxes, but, but it's just low. Like for an example, um, you know, like on a comparable $300,000 home, your property taxes will were like $600 or something like that. Right? Wow. Okay. Whereas in Mansfield, where I'm at, you know, we on a home that, we don't have a homestead exemption on, we might be at like 6,000 or yeah. 65, right? right? 
Um, so it's, it's significant, big difference. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that got us going and got us thinking out of state and, you know, then we started looking, um, started digging into his real estate, uh, resources out there with bigger pockets, you know, some of these larger forums. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you like, you went online and found just different places that we're talking about where yeah. to buy them and that kind of where, thing. Yeah. And started to get some ideas and, um, you know, we've never been to the great smoky, uh, mountains or national park up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I discovered it was, you know, 14 million visitors go a year. Wow. Uh, and it's the largest national park in the country. Uh-huh. Um, which like, you know, number three is Grand Canyon, you right. know, uh, number two, I think it's Yellowstone or Yosemite out there. Yeah. Which was amazing to me that it had so much traffic and ma- mainly because it's drivable. It's just a central in the middle of the country and you have a radius of draw all kinds of folks that just hop yeah. in a car. Well, it's know? crazy when it comes to short-term rentals. I think when people think about it, they're thinking the beach, they're thinking, you know, uh, uh, lakes or, you know, vacation type spots, which you don't think, because if you don't live in those regions of the country and you go there on a regular basis, like somebody from Texas maybe wouldn't consider unless they looked at the Smoky Mountains as being a destination that people would go to and this would be an, an opportunity there for right. it but that's just because you don't live in that area and i think there's probably some there are some gaps or whatever you want to call it where there are places that have a lot of frequent visitors that aren't as saturated as trying to buy something at a at a beach or a lake or something like that right yeah no don't get me wrong there are a lot of rentals out in smoky mountains right, right? i'm not the only one sure right? sure yeah you're not um, by yourself it yeah. is a huge market and i think that's a lot of what drove us out there or attracted us was that uh there's a industry there mm-hmm. i mean there are cleaners that only exist for these things you have the infrastructure for there's it maintenance that only gotcha. the only reason why these maintenance companies exist is because of all these um cabins and homes that rent right um I mean, they get 14 million visitors a year in the national park and they don't have the hotels right to support mm-hmm. all those visitors. And so these short-term rentals have just been a uh, key to their local economy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, we get taxed, you know, we, sure. we, um, contribute, you know, yeah. and, and there's a whole industry around it. So I think it made it a little bit safer play for us, um, knowing that it was accepted. It's been around for 30 something years, mm-hmm. nothing new. Um, but there is a lot of competition, you know, out yeah. there as well. So do you have to manage because in those areas, when you have a lot of competition, um, do you like, I guess you have to pay a lot of attention to what you're charging, what the rates are, kind of the amenities within the house and what you have, what you need to offer. I mean, is this, this is the kind of stuff you spend a lot of time researching basically? You know, when we first started in 2020, we had just, um, it was a perfect timing to start, uh, People had just started traveling again. Yep. COVID had just been, I don't want to say lifted, but it never really went away in Tennessee. Tennessee was a, a very, um, I don't know. Like us. They, yeah, they like were Texas, pretty open. Yeah. They were open. Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of restrictions based on stuff. And people weren't exactly clamoring to go to hotels for all the reasons related to COVID. So right. a house that you were going to be isolated with your family by yourself was always a very more attractive, attractive offer. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a, I think record, we started hitting the area, started hitting like record high revenues, starting somewhere around like, I don't know, July of 2020, October 2020, all the way till I'd say, you know, end of 21, right? where everybody's just driving and you can, you're right, you can stay in your own place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we hit that boom. And I guess the good thing about that boom is, uh, if you had a place, you made money. It, right. it didn't matter. Like yes. it, it had doors. It had, yes. uh, a, you know, a roof. 
looked like a they cabin. needed space so They're they great. were coming yeah you were going to get rented yeah. um you know so you you wanted to uh definitely stand out and you had to you know at that point it was just make sure you didn't price too low right, <laughs> you know? right. um but you know it's changed it's it's evolved a bit uh it, it's getting you know a little bit tougher and so now it requires you to look at things like uh, value and make sure how do you make your places stand out? How do you how are you different than the guy next door? Right. What's your pricing strategy? Right. That type of thing. Um, when you when you were switching from long term to short term, what were some of the things that you looked at between like okay, I've got long term rentals and I I enjoy this part of it. This is good, but it's also got these shortcomings. And then on the short term side, you know, like what are the the pros and cons of each one of those that kind of draw you, you know, obviously you're going to gravitate to something. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about money. How much are you going to, you know, what's your revenue, how much you're going to profit off of them. But um, in just the managing day to day, you know, holding those type of assets, what are some things that you kind of weighed the difference between the two? Yeah. I mean, the obvious answer is short-term rentals. You're getting cash flow, right? right. Cash flow is the big driver for it. It does take more work, uh, but you're, getting compensated for it. Right. Um, so you have a higher, because you have people that can come in for a week, for a weekend, and you can charge a greater premium, you're getting more revenue from those on a monthly basis. If you yeah. run it correctly, I mean, obviously, if you're in a place where it's not getting rented, that's a whole other thing. But So, I, I mean, I've got a great example on that. So we do have a Mansfield home. You're aware. Uh, yep. Your wife helped us decorate it. Yeah. It's awesome. And uh, we ran that as a long-term rental for a couple of years prior. Okay. And an example on that, we would could get two thousand a month, for example. It's a, it's, it's like a sixteen hundred square foot home. Right. It's updated, um, but it's pretty run of the mill. Yeah. Uh, so you know, uh, based off twelve months, you're looking at twenty four thousand dollars as far as a, a gross. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've had that um, for about ten months live. We've converted over to a short term rental, so okay. we have a good apples to apples, right? Yeah. Uh, comparison on yeah. the same property, just uh -huh. doing it a different method. Uh, and we plan, it looks like we're on track for somewhere around 50 to 55 really on a gross. And so um, there are some extra expenses you have to take for, uh, you know, now you're paying electricity, now you're right. paying water, you're paying internet, TV, things right. like that. You got all the utilities because the, the person staying in the long-term rental is going to pay that typically. Sure. So now and you have the cleaning bills. You're paying that now, right? right? And so, um, you know, those things take up about an average around $500 a month. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it's still uh, very profitable, yeah. you know, to, to do the, the difference. Did you, um, okay, so that's a good good thing with, or a good transition. So you got a, this house is in Mansfield. It's not at a lake. It's not at a beach. It's not at a destination point. I mean, look, if you want to come to Mansfield to go on vacation, like more right. power to you, but, right. but typically that's not what's happening. So, and I know it's hard, or maybe you do know why people are coming and renting it out, but do you know what type of people are renting out that place? That is a million dollar question. Okay. Uh, you know, when we started this thing, I think that was our question. It was like, who's who's gonna who's our target? Like yeah. who stays? Like I, I can tell you exactly like a target market in the smokies. I sure. can tell you that seventy percent of our um, folks that rent from us, it's it's the um it's um, spouse and the female spouse and the relationship is booking with us. And so I know to directly to market to her. Yep. Right. Like yep. uh I know how to market my property and frame it for a family vacation, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Uh, yeah, this Mansfield property is a little bit different. We get all types. We get folks that are, hey, I'm about to buy a house. I need a place to stay for two weeks because okay. I've got a two-week gap. 
I had a flood in my house. Okay. Insurance needs a place to put me. I don't want to go to a hotel for a month. Okay. It's, uh, hey, we have a, a volleyball tournament or we have a softball tournament. At these places or whatever. Right, at the areas we have around town. Yeah. Um, even like, um, hey, my, my daughter's about to have a baby and we need to be in town for a month to kind of help them. Yeah. We don't want to stay at their house. We don't yeah. want to stay at a hotel. Yeah. So it's so it's a it's a wild bag over the map. And I've even heard I had somebody on uh, last week or before that we were talking about um, travel nurses, how um, that's such a big industry these days because a lot of and you might know being in the healthcare world, you know, a lot of um, healthcare professionals are kind of. I guess the word is not, 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 I guess they're staffed out. Like they're not, they don't, they're not employees of the hospital. They're not employees of the clinic. Often they are, they're working for a staffing company or something like that. Now for the nurse's point of view, they get paid a lot more money, typically speaking, but they're in contracts. They have to go to places. They have to move around the country. Um, do you see some of that coming through too? You know, I, I don't think we've seen any traveling nurses yet. Now there are some platforms out there like uh, that you can, um, you know, post your, you're listening to right to try to attract to those, market to it uh, specifically, but we haven't gone after the yeah. nurse because you haven't needed to. It's we, been pretty I mean, full. I think we've been, I mean, I don't want to say full. I think we've been at like uh, over since we've been live somewhere around 50% occupancy. No, right. I mean, that's that's good. It's completely fine. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. um, and, and you know, I think a lot of this where we got started is that we kind of, from the long-term rentals got tired of the, it's going to sound backwards, but the the person who's in there for two to three years, and then they they just feel like it's their property, but it's yeah. not their property, yeah. right? They're leasing it from us, yeah. And then so they, you know, they when they leave, it's it's a chore to get it ready, and yeah. then we might spend you know two or three thousand to turn it. Well, um, I think what you're what you're saying is like the long term rental people, they they treat it as their house. But it's like you said, it's not their house, but then that's not necessarily a good thing. Cause we say, Hey, somebody treats it as their own. You right. think that that's, but it's not because you know, they don't keep up with things. They kind of let things fall apart because even though they live there, they're there. It's, they still know it's not there. So if there's a hole in the wall, right. bah, you know, if I, if the, you know, the sink's not working right, whatever. So they just let things kind of fall apart. And then by the time they leave, and especially when they know that their lease is up in six months and they're about to leave, then they're certainly not taking care of anything. Right. Whereas the short-term rental person is more like a hotel guest. You know, they're there to live there for a little bit, but they don't really want to go in there and wreck everything and, you know, mess it all up. And I would imagine because the short-term rates are a little higher that, you know, the the income level of the folks staying in those properties tend to be on a little bit higher scale too, right? Well, I'm, I don't know about that, but I do know that we have eyes on the property. Like our average length of stay is like three and a half days. So okay. we have people on the property twice a week all over. Yeah. So you see stuff come cleaning, up all the time, whatever. All right. Uh, so if it is something, it's very minimal. Yeah. It's, it's nominal. Um, and the house is ready to go. Perfect for next guest. You know? gotcha. So it's, uh, it, it was at least like a mental, something like a mental burden that we took off our shoulders, you know? Right. Um, cause you could, you at least have an update on a regular basis as to what's happening great. at your place. Yeah. 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 And that's good because then at least you know if stuff's breaking down. <laughs> you're not, uh, yeah. you're not uh, you know, taking it in the shorts on that because you can fix it quickly before it gets really bad. So kind of going back to your question, you were like, what are some pros and cons on short term versus long term? I mean, cash flow we talked about, knowing that the house is always in prime condition. I think yep. for us mentally, mm -hmm. um, is a good thing. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to transition away from from working, you know, and yeah. trying to pick up contract jobs. Yeah. So cash flow is the most important driver yeah. for me. Yeah. 
Uh, and then there's also a lot of additional tax benefits that uh, you can get into. I'm not a CPA, so sure. it's your CPA, but um, when you're doing a short-term rental versus long-term rental with, you know, um, accelerated depreciation, you know, potentially the ability to offset your taxable income if you manage it yourself. Right. Um, you know, and hey, if if your person that's in your house, if they're just giving you fits, the good news is they're gone in three days. Right. <laughs> and you'll right. have you'll have somebody new. Next. Your pain yeah. is your pain is short lived. Yes. You don't have to experience it for two years or however long the lease is or right. whatever. I would also imagine too, if you have a renter that say has a I don't know what the typical these days is, a year or two, lease, six months, whatever. Um, if the market changes and you know, your property can now go for a higher rent you have to wait until that lease is expired before you can adjust your costs or excuse me, your, your price. So, but with a short-term rental, you can change it whenever you want. Right. Sure. Yeah. And um, when y'all were doing your podcast last time, I heard you talk a little bit about, I don't know if it was like surge pricing or, or um, just where you were adjusting based on the time of year. And you kind of had some strategies that you used to, um, price your properties a little bit more effectively during those periods. And I think you even mentioned that you had like a software that did it for you. Yeah. So there are a lot of tools out there um, that make this all possible. Right? Okay. I mean, we live in Texas, these property, we have seven properties now in uh, Tennessee that we manage ourselves, but it's only possible because of the amazing people that we have on the ground, right? right. So our, our cleaners, we just have a super tight relationship with, and our we have a couple of maintenance people that specialize in different things. How often do you go there, by the way, just out of curiosity? I target like three times a year. Okay. Um, I'm actually headed up next week just to spend kind of a, a maintenance kind of refresher week. Yeah. Um, you know, just, just walk through sure, each one of them, make sure, make sure everything is in the kitchens, how it's supposed to yeah. be, or, you know, your wine bottle opener walks away, you know, right. that yeah. type of thing. Just yeah. get everything where it should be. Um, as we get ready for a new year. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. What well, was I was just thing? asking you um, about like when you were saying how you uh, have different tools that you oh, use. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So besides our, our people on the ground, uh, we use like a, a property management tool. It pulls all of our calendars together. So we list on Airbnb and VRBO and we have a direct booking site. Okay. So it brings all that together, uh, automates all of our messaging. Okay. So if you were to book with us, you'll get an immediate message with some instructions and, um, you know, it'll even like, we have it scheduled to check in on you after like, uh, the second day of the stay to see how you're doing. So yeah. stay, how can we make it better? Right. Type of thing. Just give them an opportunity if they have something to say to let you know, as opposed to the end and trash you or and whatever. They're very personalized messages. They're, uh, not like a robot. Like right. I think most people think it's us that are sending all these messages out. Yeah. Uh, and then we also have dynamic uh, pricing software that we subscribe to that we plug all our properties in. It's smart enough to know that, hey, what are your competitors listing their house at? Uh, what's demand like for the market for this weekend? And for an example, we just went through Christmas and the Smokies. And uh, the week between Christmas and New Year's is a, it's like the Super Bowl week and the right. Smokies. It's every, it gets, there are somewhere around, my guess, um, some between like 12, 14,000 cabins in the Smokies. It is wow. so many. Wow. And during that week, it gets like 99.9% booked. Booked. Yeah. So it's very important that you price like, it correctly. Price it correctly, yes. or else you'll be that guy who gets booked 12 months in advance, right? You yes. have that booking. Yes. Right? Yeah. 200 a night or something. Right. So it's very important. Like, so the price, the dynamic pricing software knows that and uh -huh. it uh, escalates the pricing for you. Uh, so would you say those types of weeks. are those two different softwares, your pricing one and then your kind of your management piece? Yep. Um, 
if you don't mind, like what, uh, generally speaking, like roughly about, you know, what did it cost you versus how you see the benefit of what it's actually, you know, you can even put in percentages on, you know, oh, it's what it's a, saved you or, or added to the bottom line for you to have those tools. There are people that uh, have a lot of time and that like to manually like do all the research, understand when the festivals are coming in town right. and the car shows and all these things. And like the, they like to be in control and move them up and down. Sure. That's not me. Right. I'm still very involved, but I'm not going to yeah. study all the events. Yeah. Uh, but still, it's a flat rate um, on on this particular software that we use. And uh, I think it's it's roughly, I don't know, I have to look at it again, somewhere around $16 a month oh. or something. So it's like one booking yeah. that you mess up on. You just paid for like six months of the software. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and just an example, and I'm not exaggerating or just tell you what it's really like. So like for the, that one week between Christmas and new year's, um, like we bought a couple properties and they had already booked it out like a year in advance that week. Right. Mm-hmm. When you buy a new property, uh, especially like through Airbnb, you can't just transfer them to you, the bookings. Okay. Uh, you have to have to cancel and then you can give them an opportunity to rebook if they want. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Um, well, the other person cancels the person who's selling the home. Uh-huh. Right. And so, uh, you know, he would cancel these bookings at 200 a night and, like, sorry, like you, I'd love to have you, but, right. but not uh, at 200, <laughs> but it's 700 a night, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it books, right? Yes. Not with that person because they're going to go find a right you know, a sticker shock, obviously. Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, for to go from 200 to 700, they're not going to be real keen on, but right. I mean, you're going to have 10 people lined up the next day, but it's it's go, it goes right. Yeah. Um, yeah. so it's like it's that, uh, these dynamic software pricing softwares, they just really help out. Um, well, yeah, so, I mean that to me, that is the that's the you know probably one of the most important pieces of what you're doing because it's not with the long term rentals. You know, you check a market rate on what the what the market's going for in that area. You know, you get somewhere close to that, you get a renter, and then you just kind of yeah. that's it. You, you don't do have to it, think you about do it, it once a year. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to think about it. Um, but with this, this is something that you to get the maxim to maximize your benefits of that property to to price it differently based on the season and make sure that and i even think that i saw that or i listened to you guys and you were saying that um for like your christmas one that you said the super bowl you may not even open up that booking until two or three months or whatever it was prior to because all those other places get booked up and then the last minute people are like we got to go well now their price points even higher now there's always always risk involved i'm sure you know because sometimes you may not get it and you miss out who knows but uh, but having some type of a tool like that, a software that can guide you down that path. And I'm sure as you've used it, you've probably gotten better at it and and recognized some trends yourself and maybe even made some adjustments. But yeah. if you have something that's kind of like your, hey, here's the roadmap for you and this is how you do it, you can always change stuff as you go. But to have that, you know, it's it's basically like having someone that's got 20 years experience doing it telling you, hey, this is how you want to price it during these times based on this region. Yeah, it's definitely not a set it and forget it, but you're right. It gives yeah. you the roadmap. Yeah. And, and you're correct. We did we do block um, all of our properties between like Christmas and the end of the new year. So like if you were to look at any of our properties for 2023, it'll look they're all blocked. Looks know, like it's full. For that week. Yeah. Just two weeks actually. Right. And yeah. And so they'll probably remain that way until, I don't know, after Thanksgiving or early December. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's just, well, it's, I just don't 
want to get sense. inquiries on them, you know, because yeah. it's, uh, it's it's a book. It's yeah. just, it's what it is. Yeah, so. you're not worried about it booking up because the trends indicate that it will and and that it's going to Well, and that was that was one thing where it was like an aha thing for me when I was listening to you guys because, you know, our two properties are both on lakes and spring break obviously is a big, you know, that's a big time of year, so it's like if your spring break is booked up 12 months in advance at just, you know, whatever the normal rate is at that time, um, you know, you're not going to maximize your space for your dollar and so if we held out and say didn't open it up until you know february or whatever like two or three months i don't know what the time horizon would be for that something like that but you it seems like you get a 20 to 30 percent bump if not more in some cases on what you could charge for that space during that time and i don't think that people getting into the short-term rental space you know these are the types of things that you just don't think about you know you don't realize until you're doing it for a little bit um i think it's stuff that just gets um because you're so worried about, you know, getting the property, getting it set up, making sure you have all the amenities that you need, you know, which is a whole other thing. Um, all the tools that are within yeah. the property that are that are required, blenders and pots and pans and forks and, you know, whatever, that you just lose sight of, wait a minute, I'm this is a business that I'm running and I need to pay attention you, to my revenue. You know what? I think the thing that I've learned over the years now, it's uh, you have to be flexible. Right. And so one strategy that works in COVID isn't the same strategy that's necessarily going to work the next year. Right. right. And so you have to kind of constantly kind of be checking yourself and looking at it. And so what I mean by that is like when we had, when we first started up, everybody was traveling and they wanted to get out and they wanted to go, you know, like I've mentioned, demand was through the roof. They sure. had the highest revenue ever. And so it was just keep raising your rates and, yeah. and Oh, I'm, I'm open next weekend. I've got to raise my rates. Right. I mean, it's, it's totally, yeah. it's like the airlines, how they seem to raise their rates at, that you're going to get a flight, right? That's right. Uh, so now that uh, you Demand's know our economy is maybe going a little bit different direction, interest rates are higher. Mm -hmm. Folks are, I don't, I'm not saying they're hesitant to travel, but it's it's a little bit different. Maybe they're flying now. Maybe well, they're, they're watching up. their pennies a little bit more because sure. of the uncertainty in the market. That's what we experience dealing something with something different. Yeah, with buyers all the time. And so now you have to be really uh, looking at like your seasonal calendars. And so a lot of these pricing. Um, this pricing software we use is they have a option opportunity in there for a, a seasonal calendar. And so you can go and um, say, Hey, from uh, January like 5th to um, the end of February, I want the minimum price to be this. And I want my uh, average price to be this, for example. Right. And I just needs to be a two night minimum stay. Right. Um, but for, you know, like say spring break, it's going to be a different minimum price. It's going to be a different minimum stay. Right. Right. So you can kind of adjust that ahead of time. So once you've been through it a little bit, you know where you can book. Right. And so, you know, the summer, like, and the Smokies, uh, you know, our top four months are June, July, October, and December. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that those months are, that's where you're going to get most of your revenue. And so you can, using like these seasonal calendars, you can price it and put those um, kind of stakes in the in the sand, right? Uh, to make sure that you're you don't you don't accidentally lower the wrong month, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. And I I would imagine it probably helps you budget for your year a lot better too, because once you can kind of build that pricing expectation, I mean, obviously you're going to get what you're going to get, but after a few years, I'm sure you develop some level of, I mean. We know, like you said just a minute ago, there's certain times like COVID when all that was going on, there was a little higher demand. Now there's probably a little lower demand. But once you get, 
you know, a couple of years under your belt with this stuff, you start to develop a little bit of a flow on what you can expect. And then you can budget based off that, what your expectation of occupancy is based on the time of the year and all that kind of stuff. And that kind of sets your ability to, um, know what kind of revenue revenue to expect from those places and what you can actually profit off. Sure. Of, right. Yeah. So it gives you a little bit, a little bit better data. Um, if, if you were, if you had to like, let's say your best friend came to you tomorrow and said, Hey, Joel, I really want to go get my first short-term rental. This is, I want to get into this. It's happened. Okay? It's a true story. Yes. Okay. So how would you tell them to go about doing that? Like what, what would be the first things that you would say, okay, before you do this, you need to do this before you do this, you need to do this. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's, uh, there's, this is a, such a popular topic. I mean, as you mentioned, you can find these it's everywhere. stories on yep. like every day, like instant millionaires uh-huh. <laughs> everywhere on yep. TikTok and, um, just, Hey, here's, here's all the deposits I had for this week or blah, blah, blah. Yes. Everybody's flexing. <laughs> right. Right. Here's my bank state. I love those. That's my favorite. Yes. They start showing screenshots of bank state. Right. Like, right. What are you doing? <laughs> um, you know, but just like any business, it's super important that you are you are financially ready to. I mean, this is a business, right? I yes. Mean, these are homes. We're about there's real mortgages, right? Yes. Like, these are costs that you are going to have to incur. Have to incur, yep. right? Um, and it's work, right? Mm-hmm. It's yes, it's passive income, I guess, to, towards uh, according to the IRS, but it's uh, active <laughs> in my opinion. Still pretty active. Yeah. You're still doing a lot of stuff, especially if you're running it yourself. But it, it takes uh, reserves. It takes um, money that you're setting aside for capital expenses. It takes right. uh, maintenance that you're setting aside, right? And so for me, um, you know, I, I think it's just really important that you just don't, like any investment, uh, you know, you don't just put all your eggs like right in right. and you have nothing left, you know, like uh, you don't have a plan. Would you say it's better to you start know? if you're going to buy something to buy something that's close to you so you can mm-hmm. run it a little better? Or I mean, because there's the pros and cons, right? Yeah. If you live in whatever, if you live in Texas, right? And uh, so you could buy a property on a lake or you could buy a proven market like the Smokies, right? Where maybe you have a little bit better track record, but it's so far away. So is it better to try to find something where you're close to so you can deal with whatever you got to deal with? Or you know, everybody's got their own why. Uh-huh. Like you got to figure out what's your why. Okay. Why are you doing this? Right. And for me, it was I'm I'm improving my cash flow. Okay. I want to be less, less reliant on uh, hospital providers that don't have budgets right. for me. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean I've been in IT for 20 years. I'm not the cheapest guy. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so um, that's my why is to increase cash flow. So yeah. for me, that answer is where can I go to get the most cash flow? Right? right. And it may take a little bit more work. It may make me more uncomfortable if the property is 14 hours away. Right. But that's what I do. Right. right. Uh, others, their why might be, hey, I want to go find a place that I can vacation to and it'll pay for itself. That's what we did. That was right? why we like, did That's it. why mm-hmm. we're doing it. Like yeah. it's not the cash flow might be nice if we get it, but that's not yeah. the main driver. Right. 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 Um, and so it kind of depends on what's your why and you okay. got to figure that out, I think. Yeah. And so it's probably step one. Make it. Yeah. Yeah. Make what do you it work for you? What are you trying to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you want to have a vacation home that you can use and, and make some money off or right. really just pay for itself? It's probably the best expectation on that. Or are you trying to get some money coming in on a monthly basis to offset, maybe be able to stop working or whatever. Right. 
when you guys bought your place, um, the, let's say the first one in Tennessee, were you able to buy it as like a second home or did you buy it as an investment? Like, cause I know when I do loans for these, for example, wait, you do loans. I do. I do oh, loans. I don't nice. know if you knew that. Uh, but, uh, whenever I do these, um, if somebody's buying a property, the way it works for mortgages, which I'm sure, you know, but, um, uh, for anybody that doesn't is, uh, if you're buying a house on a, in a vacation spot. So if you were buying a house in the Smokies or you were buying a lake property or a beach property or somewhere near Disney world or whatever, um, then I can do it as a second home. If I do it as a second home, then it only requires 10% down as opposed to 20. Uh, but if you do it as an investment, um, then I have to put down 20%. So there's a true benefit you know, if you were buying, if you were buying another house in Mansfield that you were trying to call a second home, I couldn't do that because there's no way for an underwriter to go. How is this a second home? If you live in the same city, you're buying this as an investment. But I like the vacation. Of that yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a hard thing to convince somebody of, but, um, so when you guys bought those in, in the Smokies, did y'all, were y'all able to do them as second homes or did you do them as investments or did you pay cash for some of them? How'd you, you know, do uh, like I said, we didn't know a whole lot when we were getting into this, right? Yeah. So when we bought our first, uh, we used a uh, national lender, right? That didn't yeah. know anything about. Right. Uh, it was just the same national lender we'd use for primary forever. Right. And uh, we just did a normal investment. Okay. 20%, 20% down. 20% down gotcha. loan. And then after I got into it and I started like connecting with other investors in the area, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, why don't I do a 10% down? <laughs> Uh, second home loan. Yeah. And, um, so on our second property, um, well, actually our second property, um, we ended up doing a different type lender, a, a hard money lender. Okay. Yep. And then, but somehow on our third property in the Smokies that we were approved for a second home loan, which I look back with at the other now, two and I was like, how was that possible? How did that, how did that ever get past an underwriter? Yeah. Cause we already had two investment properties in that market. Okay. Um, but Whatever it happened, yeah. and uh, we're happy. And so, no, we have a uh, a second home loan there, just one, and then we have a uh, a second home loan in um, Gulf Shores, Alabama. On yes, property out yeah, there yeah. as well. It's yeah. a different market. That's right. You can do it. Yeah, I mean, you could buy seven second homes if you wanted to, as long as they were in different right. different parts. That's so definitely an incentive about looking at a different market. Uh, being able to better terms explore right a a normal convention, you know, a Fannie Freddie loan, right. Um, at a 10% down versus, yeah. you know, it has, it's gotten a little bit less attractive, you know, just with some changes over the years, I think. Than well, what's happened, be, what's, what's kind of a bummer, um, and this, this really just happened. I mean, this was probably during COVID, you know, like after 2020. So within the past two years is, um, what Fannie and Freddie did was they put on, a higher tiered pricing on second homes and they basically classified them the same as investments as far as rates and pricing were concerned because used to prior to 2020 if you bought a second home you would get a primary rate a primary home rate so your interest rate would be just like you were buying a house you were going to live in now it's more like a it's more like an investment rate you still get the 10 percent option which is that's just a um, cash benefit obviously but when it comes to the actual terms of the rate and your payment and all that kind of stuff, you're going to be more subject to the investment side of things. So that's kind of, and the, you know, the, well, the other downer is, I guess on the second home loan is that, um, you know, on the investment loan, you can use a portion of that projected income correct. to go towards your that's um, correct. debt to income ratio. Yes. But that's, 
See, this is the part where they're going to have to figure out what to do with underwriting because if it's a long-term rental, the way it works is if you buy a long-term rental that you're going to use as an investment, I can take the lease that you have from somebody coming in and I can use that rent to offset. It doesn't give you income, but it offsets the debt. And I can use it's used a vacancy factor. So I can take up to 75% of the rent, basically. It's hard to do that with short terms because there's no way that they've come up with yet to project and say, okay, well, this is what the rent is going to be. But I mean, it still falls into the thing where you could get it as a long term and then turn it into, you know, there's a lot of ways to pull that off. But you are correct. I can use income from a rent from rent to offset the debt so you can have more purchasing power when you do as an investment versus doing as a second home where I can't do that. Yeah. So in in our experience, I think on five of our five of our properties that we purchased in the Smokies, um, when we get an appraisal up there, mm-hmm. our appraiser will have a value for in there of what it would rent for. For the short term? For a short term. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's probably because in Tennessee, because like you said, the infrastructure is already there, that it's such a big business there that there probably was a high demand for it. Because we do the same thing with long-term rentals. We get a a rent schedule, essentially is what it is, um, from the appraiser. And that tells us what the rent, because that way, because we get to use the lease. But if someone says my lease is for $5,000 and they're like, you're not going to rent this place for more than two grand. Well, then obviously we're going to take the lower. It's very conservative and it's not always accurate. Correct. But. Yeah. Um, you know, in some instances, actually, we've been able to use like air DNA reports for that property. Oh, wow. Um, some, some lenders have. Okay. And I've done that. Yeah. And they take just like the, what you're saying, they take 75%. Not, yes. Not a full hundred. Yeah. It's, it's just been a challenge. The short-term rental industry has been a challenge because it's trying to figure out how they are going to measure those numbers, especially in areas where, you know, you know, if you're buying a, a short-term rental in Mansfield, you know, it's going to be hard to get comps to know right. what your kind of rates you're getting for that. If you're buying it in in, in the Smokies, well, then it's easy because you've got, like you said, fourteen thousand other cabins that are it's being done every day. Yeah, that are being done the same way, so it's easier to to kind of come up with those numbers. But um, but it does give you a little bit more flexibility in your in your financing of it, just depending on how you structure that stuff. Um, when you guys first started looking for, how did you come? Just out of curiosity, how did you actually come to doing it in the Smokies? Like what? Where did you come across that and go, oh, this is where we should, especially because you've never been there before? Yeah. Um, you know, it was really, like I mentioned earlier, it was looking for states that don't have a state income tax. Okay. And so that's where you started with that's it. That's where we started. And then uh, then I also started looking at property tax and they had checked the box there. Yeah. Uh, and then with uh, Great Smoky National Park with the 14 million visitors, that was the other piece. Uh-huh. So when I'm looking at markets now, uh, I really try to look for at least at least two drivers. Like, why are people going to go like from a vacation market? Two different reasons. Yeah. Let's leave Mansfield out. But like, yeah. when we talk vacation markets, like you need two things that are really going to attract them to the area. Right. Okay. And so for the, um, the Pigeon Forge Gatlinburg area, it's, it's the national park. Mm-hmm. And that's an obvious one. Uh, but Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg are pretty, um, they're very different in themselves. They've got very different personalities of cities. Uh, they are about, 20 minutes away from each other. Okay. Um, but it is, it is, a, it's like the, I call it the Vegas for families. It's, right. Uh, just go-kart tracks. And they've got like a Titanic museum. that has got like $50 million worth of artifacts. That they dug out really? of the ocean. Okay. Um, that you can see, I mean, um, Dolly Parton, obviously is huge up there. Yeah. Is that where Dolly world is? It's Dolly, Dollywood. Yeah. Or is, is it there. Dollywood? Is that what it's called? Yeah. She's yeah. obviously been big and, um, you know, just uh, recently, I mean, she just hosted a New Year's Eve, you know. Yeah. 
recently and you know has been pushing she had a big musical i think right. a, a big network recently so she's been big in the news but she's invested huge into pigeon forge there's a lot of dinner shows um so there's reasons for people to go there outside of the park massive family attraction gotcha. yeah gotcha. Um, but if you're not into the tourist trap thing which it is a lot right sure. um you can go all of these hikes on in the mountains and right. go to waterfalls um it's very scenic uh, lots of bears, lots of, you know, things to see. So it kind of has a little bit of both. You can kind of, so that's what we look for. Mm-hmm. We look for um, places that have multiple draws um, so that like if something were to come around, like with a COVID and um, let's just say Pigeon Forge was shut down. Right. Right. Well, there's still, they can still go to national park, right? right. There's still something that draws um, tons of visitors. Right? Gotcha. gotcha. So it's, um, you're not, just held to one thing. Uh, you know, like when COVID came through Florida, uh, had a ban right on all short-term rentals, like the state banned all short-term rentals for, uh, I don't remember exactly a long length of time, but about at least a month really? where, uh, it said hotels can take travelers, but, um, Airbnb and VRBO cannot exist, um, right now. Why? Uh, the governor, he was, he's really, he was really popular. Yeah. And so it's that just, seems like uh, an odd thing for him to do, though. I mean, because you're you're basically shutting down the individual investor. It was, it was an odd choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were happy we didn't have any Florida. I mean, I guess it was time. just for a short amount of time. So he obviously changed his mind or reversed that. But that's that's an odd right. stance. I didn't know that. You know, and and the beaches are obviously are super popular for short term rentals. Yeah, for good reason. Absolutely. And we have one there because you have well. so much stuff. Like but you it, just need a lot of places. But that's to put your your, stuff. your beach, right? Yeah, that, yeah. That's your driver. Yeah. Um, now they might have music festivals or baseball tournaments or right. other things that that you know drive traffic to your unit. But, yeah. Um, that's just something to look at. We have kind of look for places that have multiple draws. Okay. When you, um, since you started having these properties and, and marketing them, and obviously I know, like you said, in Tennessee with the Smokies, it doesn't take a ton of, you know, rocket science to market it, but what are you doing aside from the basic stuff? I mean, you have your listings, but what are you doing to try to promote the properties themselves? Are you doing anything extras or is there other things that you're trying to work on that are actually trying to drive? Cause I mean, I don't know the structure of it, but if you say you get a booking through VRBO, okay, or Verbo is what they're calling themselves now. Is that right? I saw that on a commercial the other yeah, day. I was like, still old school. I okay. Guess. Yeah. So I would imagine that they have a certain price that they take or, you know, a certain cut of it that they take because they're booking through their site. Same thing with, um, what's the other one? Uh, Airbnb. Airbnb. Yeah. Um, so what about you have your own site that people can book through, which I'm sure you get a hundred percent of it versus, you know, whatever percentage to the other ones. So the idea would be, I drive more people to my site if I can, because I get a greater, you know, revenue, but, but you have more eyeballs in the other two because they have more traffic coming through them. So are you doing anything marketing wise, you know, through social media or through, you know, websites or whatever to try to drive people to your site to book through there? Yeah, we've, um, I'd say that I mean, we have a direct booking site, uh, redglidergetaways.com. Mm-hmm. And it, if you're a traveler, uh, when you go to Airbnb and you make any booking at any short-term rental, uh, there is a fee that they call it's a, I don't know, it's basically their booking fee, but it's a, it ranges anywhere between 10 to 20%. The Airbnb is a service fee. Okay. That's how they make money. Right. That they charge that to the vacationer. Oh, not um, to you. It gets charged to the well, vacationer. This, this part gets charged to the vacationer okay. about 10 to 20% of the stay as a booking fee or okay. a service fee. Okay. Uh, and then there's also a Airbnb charges 3% to the host for the fee. Okay. So they get both sides. Both sides. Yeah. 
Good racket. Yeah. And so the way that we and VRBO is, and they own nothing. Yeah. VRBO <laughs> charges a little bit Insurance. less. Um, you know, for the vacationer, it's a little bit cheaper usually okay. for the vacationer. Uh, they charge the host a little bit more they, um, than the three percent. Okay. So I think I charge eight percent to the host. So, okay. um, so yeah, it it behooves you to try to find a direct booking site, even if it's the exact same rate. If you're booking through Airbnb, you could save twenty percent. Yeah, just because you don't have to pay a service fee. Right. 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 Uh, same thing with VRBO. It's a little bit less, but you're saving that service fee. Right. For me, it's it's a it's a wash. It's like uh, I'm not necessarily going to have more revenue if they're all direct bookings because I still have to pay a 3% credit card processing fee. Okay. Right. To, okay. to process your payment. Gotcha. So, but what it does help me, I mean, you know, there's uh, some smart people out there and, you know, you don't want to build your, your business on somebody else's platform. Right. Because if then, that platform falls apart, then you're yeah, toast. Something yeah. happens like it's crazy stories out there. You can YouTube this stuff and it's like, Hey, somebody uh, vacationer left. They brought a handgun and they left a handgun and a drawer and a dresser. Yeah. And the cleaner didn't see it, right? Because yeah. they didn't open all the drawers up. The next guests show up and their kid opens it, you know, finds a gun or something. It's yeah. awful, right? Yeah. These are the stories that all my wife, my wife's always you heard. Know? She's like, this is going to happen. Like, this happened then, one time. Yeah. It doesn't, but what, <laughs> but all it takes is once. Yeah. What happens is like a lot of times, you know, we've got nine properties on Airbnb. And if that were to happen, is an opportunity where Airbnb could suspend all nine listings because right. it's my account, right? right? It's suspend my whole account, not yeah. just that property. So yeah. my point is that whatever I can do to be less dependent on these platforms, mm -hmm. the better, right. right? Yep. And so I want to drive people to our direct booking site um, just, just so I'm less reliant on others. And yeah, that makes sense. I'll even take a little bit less money, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. But it's it just kind of helps grow it mm -hmm. um, and just diversifies a little bit. Right. So yeah, we do have a uh, direct booking site. Uh, a lot of our marketing is focused on people who stay with us, and so, um, so the people that have come and stayed with you, you're going to market directly to them yeah, because if they've been there, they're familiar with it, and then they're more likely to come back anyway. Yeah, we try yeah. to you know build advocates for the brand, and right, uh, you know we you know ask that hey, if you'd like discounts on future stays, shoot us over your email, for example, and then you know we. Uh, do some email campaigns a couple of times a year, yep. you know, with discounts for bookings, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we try to have some signage. And do you do that emails. through your management software? Or you just do that on your own separately. Um, collect the emails. Well, like your, you know, your uh, whatever whatever emails you're sending out. We well, use like uh, Mailchimp. Okay, you know, gotcha. to send out, yeah. create a campaign, campaign, right. that type of thing. Um, it's you know pretty manual, right? Um, it's like any CRM, I guess. But, sure. So, yeah, we do that. Um, there's some other technologies out there um, that I'm starting to look into that are a little bit sexier, like with um, StayFi, for example. Okay. It's a uh, Wi-Fi solution you can put on your home network. And basically, um, if you come to our unit and you want to use our internet, then, it, hey, it says, hey, yeah, put your Mike, email it's in. your email, right. and you can have internet. Yeah. And, and that way, you're not just getting the uh, person who books. You're getting anybody in your unit that, Hotels that, do that all the time. That connects, right? Yeah. Go to go to Hilton and see yeah. what they ask for. The same so stuff. now you have their contact information yep. and you know it's genius. They, if they don't want to be a part of it, they can always unsubscribe. Sure. Uh, but you know, we're looking at that as a, another opportunity to to get it. And I guess lastly, um, in all of our listings on the platforms like the Airbnb or VRBO, we um, have some verbiage on the top of our listing that basically says um, like 
if the name of our cabin is Whiskey Ridge, it'll say Whiskey Ridge by Red Clatter Getaways. Gotcha. At the at the title of the listing, you know. And so our we probably have, I don't know, two or three people a month that are smart enough to copy and paste that little right. uh, phrase and put it in Google. And then our our direct booking page will be the first thing the that first pops up finding. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then they can compare prices and then they'll book there. Right. Um, it gives them an incentive to book there because they can get a cheaper rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Than going through VRBO or whatever. Yeah. Do you do do any of those platforms? Not that I don't even know how they would know this, but do you ever feel like that you get, you know, punished for charging less for your property than it would be listed on like does VRBO ever have a service that goes out and says, okay, yeah, we're listing your price or your place for 500 a night, but you've got it listed yourself for 480. You know, you're undercutting us. No, you just have to, I mean, there's the terms of service uh, are very, you don't want to mess up, right? Right. You don't want your account suspended because right. hundreds of thousands of hours going away. Right? <laughs> right. So you have to be, you know, very careful. You're following the rules and you're, you're staying in line, kind of what they say to do. Like if, if somebody messages me through Airbnb and says, Hey, I'd love to direct with a, you know, your direct booking site. Do you have one? Yeah. I'm not going to respond and say yes. And here's a link, right? Like, yes. No, no, no. That's not going to be it. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. I might respond. You know, shoot yourself say, in the foot. Try Google or something right. like that. <laughs> right. Right. Like, right. But I'm not going to um, send them right to it. Right. I'm yes. going to be safe. You know? Right. It's not worth it. Right. So. Um, do you find that uh, in dealing with like the VRBOs and the and the Airbnbs that um, the insurance and stuff that they cover for you on for the like for the guests that come in if there are any issues like what is the insurance situation like for you have you had any incidents like what has your experience been with that on guests causing some sort of damage to the property and then and then what you're responsible for versus you know what you had to pay out or if that stuff covered have you have the, have you had any of those incidents yet. Yeah, man. I know as soon as I say this, it's going to be like, it's going to happen. But, <laughs> uh, so just some context, right? Okay. Like, uh, so over the last 12 months, uh, you know, we've hosted somewhere around 1700 nights, right? Okay. 400. And, I looked at it this morning, 486 reservations, something like that. Wow. Um, it's a lot of volume. That's awesome. Right? Yeah. And I say that just to say that we have yet to have some sort of catastrophic event that's great with a guest right Right. stuff happens yes i get it yes um you know but in my opinion it's like you should be budgeting for stuff to happen sure right and so i put away a certain amount every month to my maintenance or to a capex category we Mm -hmm. have reserves right like i i see it as a business expense and it's 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 kind of uh, a polarizing topic when you talk to different hosts uh i mean you're in the, it's, it's like customer service. I know I'm in the right, uh, but they're the guests and they are leaving me the review. Right. And um, here's a great example. Our our second guest we ever had, we have no pets, right? Uh-huh. Uh, at our first cabin. And uh, they showed up with a pet. Okay. Right. And how did I know that? It's because I'm staring at my camera, right? That's over the door and I right. see them bring in their dog and, and uh, had this, um, my realtor at the time, uh, I texted him like, hey, what should I do? Right. And he's like, well, you're watching your cameras, aren't you? And I'm like, yes. yes he's I like, am. stop watching your cameras. Right. Like, <laughs> you're driving yourself you crazy. Yes. Um, you're never going to get anywhere if right. you're staring at this the whole time. Right. And I'm like, you're right. And he's like, well, what's going to happen? Um, let's, let's play this out. You're going to reach out to the guest and you're going to say, hey, I see you brought a dog. Uh, you know, you can either charge them a fee or you can ask them to leave. Right. Right. Those both, are your two choices. Both right? of them are bad options. Right. Both of them are going to make them mad at you. They're going to be upset. Right. And then uh, they're going to leave and they're probably in Airbnb terrible world. Review. If they give you anything less than a five star, 
hurt your ranking, right? Yeah. Like you can get delisted for having like, you know, a sub four uh-huh. ranking, right? So they'll uh-huh. give you a three. Uh-huh. Um, great. We well, got your hundred bucks, right? Um, but now your your ranking dropped, right? Right. Um, now you're on page five because you don't have very good guest rating, right? So it's it's uh takes a little bit of a mindset kind of thinking um to figure out like what's really worth it to go after. Uh, you know, in another platform, I had a guest that broke a window. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was it wasn't broken when they showed up. It was broken when they left, right? It just crack. Um, you know, and I I charged them. Um, you know, their deposit was $500 and of course I got a bad review. Of course. And, um, you know, so it's one of those things, thinking moments where I'm like, man, what is it? Short-term versus long-term thinking, basically. Is it worth it? Right. Yeah. Is it so worth that's kind of where I'm going with this is like, yeah. everybody's got a different answer and it's right for them. Right. And I don't mean people should run over you or not treat your property with respect, that type right. of thing. But you just need to think through those things. Yeah. Um, there are uh, some different tools out there that you can use um, to, re- you know, you can require your guests to buy insurance on every stay. Okay. Um, I think most of the platforms allow you to put that in there mm-hmm. as a requirement okay. if you wanted to. They don't have a choice. Right? Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, it's fairly straightforward to pull that out. Right. Um, Airbnb has made some changes recently where it's made it a little bit more friendly for the host to go after some things um, that, um, that guests have, you know. It used to be that when... If you were to check out on Monday and another guest came in Monday afternoon, you as a host would have to file the claim before the next guest clinch checked in. Okay, because once they're in there, then they don't know yeah. who did what. Or right. Whatever. right. So your cleaner would come in and they, you know, maybe the cleaner leaves at three, the next guest rises at four. And yeah. so you got an hour window where you had to decide, is it worth it? Right. Wow. Oh, yeah. right. And, yeah. and, as soon as you do it, the first step in that process is it goes to the person who just stayed with you before they submit the review, by the way, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. So to pay it, right? Yeah. And then if they say, no, it goes to Airbnb. Well, how's that going to go? Yeah, right? it's not going to so go So Airbnb well. has changed it now where now they give you a 14-day window as a host to claim something under air cover. Okay. And the best scenario is, is that the vacationer goes ahead and they submit their review because they have a 14-day window to submit a review. They submit the review before the window is over, yeah. and then you can file it if you want to, right? To, um, you're not going to get a repeat guest. Right. <laughs> you probably don't want them if you're filing it. Anyway. Yeah, if they did something to damage it or whatever. Um, you brought up pets a second ago. So what is your, these days with the short-term rentals, what are your thoughts on pets? Do you allow them? Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? What, where have you gone? Where have you guys landed on that? Yeah, so we have, you know, we've got nine places and um, two of our places now accept pets. We had one that one place that was uh, that did amazing last year and and revenue. Uh, this year we've seen about a twenty percent drop mm-hmm. on this one property and can't it doesn't match with my other like it's really? all in the same neighborhoods. It's just huh. or the general vicinity. Okay, but it's just I don't know. I can't figure it out. Um, it's got amazing reviews. I'm almost at a hundred reviews at like four point nine six. Like it's wow. way up there. Okay, but it's just uh, struggling to get bookings and. Oh. Uh, so that was a lever that uh, we pulled um, uh, end of November was, all right, well, let's, let's try pets um, at this place and see if that helps if that, how that fires it up. Yeah. Um, you know, I did some research just in that market and this is a market by market thing. Sure. Like how many in that market allow pets, how many don't. And so you could just go like uh, pull up your browser and go to incognito mode mm-hmm. 
and just do a search and just see particular dates. So, you know, without pets, it's usually about 10% of the properties, right. That, that take pets. Okay. So it, it makes you way more marketable, right? right? Just depends if you want to take on that um, potential extra wear and tear. Right. Well, and I, I don't know. I mean, I would think, I mean, this is all anecdotal, just my opinion of it, but when it comes to pets, I mean, how many people are traveling with a, you know, a 200 pound dog, right? If you're traveling, aren't you just bringing along your little poodle, you know, your teacup dog, you know, that, I mean, I don't even know people that travel with cats really. I guess sometimes mm -hmm. they do, but it's rare. Um, I would think, I mean, I don't, I don't know for sure, but um, I just, I don't know. I, I think it's uh, my wife and I were having discussions about that because we actually built in our Cedar Creek property. We built like a, a place for Kennel. pets to yeah. be and then, and then it says that's an amazing like little place under the stairs yeah 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 but then it says in there i don't think we allow pets <laughs> it's like well, how are we having the dog kennel without any pets but whatever yeah. i mean i get the you know you, you have the wear and tear people don't take care of I me mean, it's just like anything else you're gonna have an now, animal. i will say because when we had our lake our lake property and i told you we were doing that as a kind of a pilot and when we first got started we yeah. allowed pets because we've got a great fence in yard we have three dogs ourselves yeah yeah we, yes you know and we're but it was so close to dallas fort worth there's your whole little pet theme yeah that goes out the window it goes out the window yes they're just going to jump driving in the, in the car yep and uh come and so we had a lot of big dogs they're bringing the there. bull mastiff along with them in yes. the back of the ford and so yeah. What I will say is that was so close and so easy for people to get to from yeah. a major metropolitan area. Yeah. I think you would see a little bit different yeah. at the lake. Yes. Um, and the Smokies, I think you were completely right because our average guest has like a six or seven hour drive. Right. So, yeah, they're not necessarily going to load up um, some giant dogs yes. in the back of your truck yeah. for six, seven hours. So. so, again, same thing. It's market to market. It depends on on where it is. So another thing to notice, uh, we've seen like if you have like really big homes, uh -huh. uh, like five, six bedroom homes. Yeah. Uh, there's really not a big difference there um, allowing pets because multiple that's multiple families coming together. Mm -hmm. uh, and usually multiple families don't want to bring multiple dogs. Right. And then you just have dogs, dogs running all over the place. It just, it's nuts. Yeah. And so uh, I think it also depends on your property size too, not just your market. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, another thing you said was um, you were, you said something about cameras. So what is the current um, position for these different sites on cameras on property and where can they be located? And you know, what, what can you actually have out there versus what you're not allowed to? Yeah. So you're not allowed to have any cameras inside the home that are not disclosed. Okay. I think it's best not ever have any cameras inside any home. It's yeah. creepy. Yeah. Um, but, and you're also not allowed to have any, um, I mean, in, I guess what are assumed private spaces. Right. And so right. I see that as like, don't have a camera, Oh, you know, over the hot tub or something like right. that. Like, right. So um, even though it's outdoors, it's not inside, but you know, we don't need to, you don't, right. I mean, you don't want to watch, <laughs> like you said, it's creepy. It's you don't just want to really know creepy. what happens yes. at, at your, at your property. <laughs> you don't, you just want it to be clean. Ignorance is bliss. And uh, yeah. it's great. Yes. Uh, you don't yes. want to know. No, it's yeah. bad. Um, so no, we have cameras at the front on over the front door of all of our properties. Okay. Uh, just so see who's coming in and going. see who comes in and goes. Yep. And it's more for me to understand if I have work that has to get scheduled. Right. Something to get repaired. I want to make sure, you know, I want to see who's coming in right. when there's no guests, right? Yeah. It, I don't, I really don't watch these things when we have guests coming in and out. I don't count people coming in. Right. Like, oh, you said you had four, but you have six. Yes. Or, I, I just would drive me crazy. Yes. Um, I mean, we, 
we average, um, you know, somewhere around 50 reservations a month. And yeah. Was, you know, yeah, you don't have time to do that. Our kids would, yeah, they wouldn't exist. It was just, you'd just be, be sitting in a room watching, yeah. watching the screen. All the head six. Like, <laughs> you know? Well, then again, but that goes back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, pick your battles, I guess, is essentially what you were saying about, hey, look, you know, somebody damages something at your property, you can surely charge them, you can take their deposit, you can do all those things, but at what cost? You know, they're going to give you a bad review, right. they're going to have something negative to say that you don't get a booking again, which you may not want anyway. But same thing, if someone, you know, has somebody yeah. else come to the property? And you're like, I saw a seventh person walk in. You're only supposed to have six. It's like, well, my aunt was coming over to say hi. She lives down the street. Like, you right. know, oh, you know. So it's like, choose, choose what you want to fight with somebody over. But we use ring cameras at all our properties, and I tell you, it is amazing because in one app you could just scroll, you can see all your properties, every single one. And of them. If you're on your computer, you can like use like a dashboard. It looks like you're at like a mall security camera. Right. Like, oh, That's kind of cool. <laughs> uh, and then we use like for locks. Uh, we. All of our houses have the same lock. Um, it's a so it's all operated from the same app. Yeah, just streamline everything. Code, yep. I think, that's what we app. have to. And so basically, you can just go through all, scan through all your your codes and see who's coming and going. Yeah, you can add codes or you can turn them off. Or it's, so I mean, there's a lot of systems like that. I think that make it a lot easier, right? Um, to to automate. Uh, we always we use Honeywell thermostats at all of them. Okay, they're all Wi-Fi thermostats. It's all in the same app. The same so you can change thing. and adjust anything. So just on one screen, I can scroll and, and just make sure that when somebody checked out, they didn't like put the heat at like eighty or something. Right, you know, I can just adjust it. Just double check it there. Um, another cool thing that I've seen at your properties um, is uh, in in some maybe it's not at all of them, but I see you seem to have an affinity for it. Is the video games the uh, the arcade style stand up video games, which I love. Like you know we're similar age and so we kind of grew up to some degree in that era so it's it's awesome but you know now like if my son if we go on a trip if we go to you know the beach or wherever he's always bringing his playstation like it's it travels with us it's like another member of the family but um even for the old guys that come in there and you see like the race car game or you know the old school galaga and i know now these days you can get the you know the arcade looking game but it's got like 20 or 30 different games in it you can play so did you, was that something that you just liked and want to put in there? Did you find something that said, Hey, look, if you have stuff like this, maybe not necessarily that, but other things in the house for people to do other than come sleep, leave, eat, you know, whatever, just to have some, a few other amenities there. Yeah. So man, amenities, that's a whole different topic and I'll try to keep it, no. uh, but it's it, starting in the Smokies. Um, I, there are a lot of cabins out there, obviously. Like sure. Mentioned. Yep. And so the bar, like just the starting point and the smokies and like and what you have in your place is is kind of stupid. Like each if you if you go to the smokies and you don't have a hot tub, you're gonna you're gonna die. Yes. Like some people will say, Hey, mine's doing great. Well, they probably have something different. They have an amazing view or right. something like that. Right? right. But you have to have a hot tub, right? Yeah. Um, it's almost like a given you have some sort of arcade and in the Smokies. Okay. So pretty much any of those places will have an arcade, air hockey, a pool table, um, some option, sort of game shot option, something. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, and so I think, I mean, I, I definitely did not, not taking any credit for that, but, but we just, you know, you saw what was there and outfitted like, and yeah. that's what everybody else had. And, yeah. and, and you had to at least do that. Right. Yeah. Um, so we took that, and when we went to other markets, like we went to Gulf Shores, um, 
you know, we, we realized, I call it like we wanted to smokify like the Gulf Shores yeah. listing, right? Yeah. And so we wanted to like take some of these amenities that traditionally Gulf Shores doesn't have. Like right. there's not a places over there that have arcade games. Right. Because like they have the have, beach and yeah. you're there for the beach. Right. Yeah. So you have an arcade game. It's like, wow, it has an arcade game. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. so it's things like that. Um, we have one at Mansfield House that you've seen. Yeah. That it's like, we have, you know, it's, um, you never know what's going to – what you want to stick out in somebody's mind, yeah. right? Because the idea, I think with anything, when you have a business, you want to, you have to get customers, right? You have to go out and find customers to bring in. But then the goal is it's way ex less expensive to keep your customers than it is to go get new ones. So if you have somebody come to your property and book your property – you want them to walk away going, man, that place was awesome for whatever reasons that they have. You know, they had the jacuzzi and they had the games and they had the, you know, the fire pit and whatever. Like it was great. Um, you want them to remember that because then if they're going somewhere, odds are they're, you know, it's easy to go back because you know what to expect and you're taking a family trip. That's why people, you know, the reason Broken Bow has turned into what it is. It's not necessarily because Broken Bow's awesome per se. I mean, it is now, but, you know, it wasn't that way originally, but it was a place that you could live in Dallas Fort Worth or other areas and you could go to and you were kind of out in the woods and whatever, but it was, it was um your expectation was always the same. Like we're gonna take this trip. If I'm going to the beach, I don't usually most people I would think don't go to a hundred different beaches. They find one place that's close, that's near where they are, that they can pack up all their stuff and drive or quick flight or whatever. And they go and they stay there and they like it. And then they come home and then they got to go back there the next year because that's their family trip. Yeah. So how easy is it just to go, well, we stayed at that place before. It was awesome. Let's go back there. Yeah. You know, and you know what to expect. There's you no know, surprises. I totally get you. And that's the way my brain thinks. It is so weird, though. Doesn't work that way. We have, I mean, I, I pride ourselves on like trying to be great in customer service. Yeah. Like I do a lot of things I think that are maybe a little bit different than a normal host. Like if you book with us, you'll probably get a personal, like a uh, little, like face a little video of me saying, thank you so much for booking with us. I'll That's text awesome. It to you, right. Yeah. And so we do these things and it's, it's turned into great reviews. I think our average around all platforms around like 4.96 or something yeah. for three years. And, but we not have had, we've never had a repeat guest. Really? Isn't that weird? Not once? Not once. And you can track it, obviously, because you know everybody. Thousands stays, yeah. Not one person yeah. has come back. I don't want to say thousands. That's not right. Oh, we've probably 8,000 stays. Do you think that it has anything to do maybe with the market? Because it is the Smokies and there are so many, you know, you know uh, Airbnbs? When I think about STRs. it, like we, we, as a family, vacation to the same market. Uh, -huh. uh like oh, we'd like to go skiing yeah and so too. in february we're gonna go to copper mountain yeah and um we've been there before and we had a great experience uh -huh. but you're but going somewhere different we don't want to stay at the same place we okay. kind of want to check it out something yeah. different okay like, yeah, that, i mean i like can see area, that too yeah but we just wanted to just you know there's other awesome places too like yeah it's a different building or or like a different so really, I guess the amenities could be looked as as not necessarily that you're trying to get people back because you may or you may not, but that you're trying to ultimately you're trying to get good reviews because yeah. that's what a new person coming in is going to look for. I mean, I'd love. Don't get me wrong. I want. Yeah. I want repeat people. Of course, and we market to. But them, you're just saying I'm, it doesn't really happen yeah, so far. It hasn't at least. happened yet. I haven't yeah. had a lot of traction on it. Yeah, um, but it's definitely something we're going after. You know, the other piece of that and uh, the Smokies, uh, one of the. The first place that we, or the second home that we got in December 2020 had a, um, a kind of a starting of a theater room and which 
Uh, I think I, think I, I actually have that. You have a picture of I it? I do, yeah. Hang on. Let me put it up here. So, show the, uh, so here's your logo, by the way, um, for anybody wondering. The Red Glider Getaways. Yeah. Where, where did Red Glider come from? You know, we have a Red Glider at each one of our properties okay. um, on a porch or a okay. patio. Nice. Some of them are metal. Some of them are poly. All right. And then, so this was... Um, there you go. That's yeah. a good one. So, yeah. So that is a cabin that we bought. That, that actually is one we bought in April of last year. And they have this huge basement space um, down there that they just had some bunks in. Okay. Um, this is just half of the basement. There's uh, on, on the other side of the wall on the left, there's a, another big room. And so uh, what we decided to do was turn this into a big theater. Yeah. And so this is the same room. And uh, all, we, all we did is built a platform in the back, right. carpeted a platform, bought some theater chairs, took mm -hmm. all that junk out. Um, and then what's, I guess, behind the, the photo or the camera in this one, uh, is just, a, you know, Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Oh, this that's the other side of the room. Right yeah. There. It's just, you know, 120 inch screen with a projector, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and this room is this, this is our cover picture of our listing. Okay. And oh my gosh, like the response, um, on a theater room, really? you know, is amazing. Um, you know, the thing is when people go vacation, they want something different than right. what they don't have at home. Right. And so to your point, like we've had, I've had this discussion with some other owners and we're like, Hey, have you ever thought about putting Xboxes or, or PlayStations in your, your place? Right. That's yeah. way cheaper than an arcade. Right? right. And it's way more practical. Right. Yeah. They can just like bring their own games or something like right. that. Um, and I'm not opposed to that, but, but it's just the same thing. But I think the big thing that people are attracted to is stuff they don't have at home. Right. This is new. This is like, right. You're on vacation. We do something different. Or who has a hundred and twenty? I mean, there are people that have theaters, sure, but sure, sure. but a very small percentage of the you know population have a hundred twenty inch theater with a stadium seating and surround sound and in their house, right? So you took the approach on this one of because it had a bed. Because like when we were doing ours, we were like, well, how many beds can we fit? How many people can we fit? Right? But you actually took a bedroom out to say, hey, look, I'm going to minimize the amount of people I can allow in here, but I'm going to add an extra amenity to it. Because, you know, like, I don't know, I, I would have no idea if I looked at our places because I don't manage it. If the average are four or five or 10, like, I don't know. We can sleep, I think, like 17 or 18 in the whole place. Wow, really? Yeah. Huh. But we may only have six that show up on average. You so. know, for this one, there, there is a, this basement is a mirror image on itself on the left and the right. Okay. So, so it has two sides the same space, same size space on the other side of the wall, okay, the same exact space. And so all that we did was we moved the bunks from this side of the space to the other side. So of the you space. kept the bedding. We rearranged it and Got made it, it smarter. They had like a bar in there um, and we took it out. Right. Um, so this we didn't get it away. Right? No, no. I, I don't know if, yeah, we, we have to leave it in there. It's still a sleep seven cabin. Okay. It's a, it's a, I think it's a twin over queen. Gotcha. Bunk and yeah. then two Kings in there. Um, but yeah, so this other, other slide you were showing there, this is so, so that cabin I just showed you did amazing. Okay. okay? Like the theater was super well received, Right. you know, I didn't build it myself. I yeah. hired my local contractor. And, um, so I found another cabin that, um, kind of similar layout. undervalued. So my, like they were using the same space. They just put some sofas there. Uh -huh. Like you see in a picture, and a TV on a wall, like just a, like a little 50 inch or something. Right. I'm like, what is that? What is that for? What are they going to, 
they have another living room upstairs yeah. and another 15 just to go TV sit in, in another space yeah it's yeah. just a sitting space yeah. right this only sleeps like seven anyways right and so on that one we did the same thing yep. um it's you got the risers you got theater chairs We're carpeting in um there. it's a little bit different flooring yeah um but it's the same the same thing so and that actually because my secret sauce like i'm like actively like in that neighborhood like i have like, a refresh refresh show me another cabin that has the same yeah um because it's actually interesting because in tennessee this is uh what they consider the basement okay. but if you look out the windows you, yeah, can, you see can see the see windows trees up there yeah it's not that low it's of a like you're sort of a view <laughs> yeah right? yeah um, it's because they're on a mountainside and it, it kind of slows, slows down, down. Right. so it's below grade and so um it's a three level cabin and so they actually don't count this area in the square footage of okay. the home because it's below grade like on your appraisal or whatever okay yeah even though it's air conditioned you have but whatever reason right that's what they do so when when you have homes i guess where i'm going i'm trying to talk about value trying to find homes maybe that others aren't looking at right and so i'm you know looking at a home that hey on paper it only shows at 1700 square feet mm -hmm. But I know there's an extra 900 square feet down there in the basement that's not being counted for. Right. right. And so I also know that um, a cabin like that, you know, can have a $30,000 revenue difference um, just by converting. It sounds ridiculous to say that, mm -hmm. but just taking like what we showed and putting a theater in mm -hmm. like that could be $30,000 a year difference in revenue. Because you just get more bookings because it yeah. sets itself apart. You have apart. a higher price. Right. You have more occupancy. Yeah. And, and that conversion itself um, with theater equipment and everything, you know, it's like a 20,000 hour project, right? So right. it's not pay one year. You're, you pay for yourself. What other investment does yeah. that, you know? Where did you find just where it, when you say it has a 30% increase, is this just stuff that you were researching and looking up or did you just kind of come to that? No, it's because that's what we just discovered. So gotcha. the first one we just. Oh, was, once you did it, then you realized. Gotcha, gotcha, and gotcha. Then, then we did, we bought another cabin that repeated the process. Yeah. Um, and then we, another one of our cabins, uh, we enclosed the space over a dining area. It was a, a big lofty, um, dining area went like 40 feet in the air Yeah, and we enclosed it up there and made it a theater room. And I think this year we've seen a 25% increase on that. Wow. Really? Revenue. So you're, you're the you theater know. room master now. Cause I, it's <laughs> yes. Like, All these places that uh, I'm going uh, to have to actually add that to my list. We got the one in Whitney has a lot of space, a lot of rooms. A, it's it's pretty um, eye opening. Like yeah. I didn't think that um, the big amenity and the Smokies is indoor pools. Okay. okay. So like if you have an indoor pool, you were going to get booked first. Yeah. You were going to get the highest rates. Right. We have two cabins with an indoor pool, but I mean, other like the next in line, it's probably views. Like some place that it says like, 10 mile views or yeah. you're just see like amazing views. That's, that's next. Yeah. I say, yeah. Um, and then in my opinion, like fire pits, like amazing fire pits and theaters are kind of like the next stop. Right. And, um, you know, you kind of have to just make do with what you got and figure out how do you rework your space or find deals that have value. Right. And so another, like one of these cabins you just showed, uh, when we purchased it, um, I was looking out the top deck and I'm like, man, we just had some trees removed you have a pretty amazing oh, view yeah. and so i was talking to the homeowner that we we're buying it from and i'm like have you ever thought about cutting these trees down or you know why not and he's like wow it was going to cost like two grand to cut trees down in my brain i'm like two grand like what 
you know, like, how, it would take nothing. I, I could get way more bookings off the so, two grand that's going to cost me to cut those trees so down. So we, we hired a guy like right, right, right after we closed. And he just, um, the way that these, these lots are, I mean, they're really slanted lots. Yeah. He didn't have to take them out. He just laid them down. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, and now, it opened now it like wide our open. number our number one amenity people come in on is the theater, uh-huh. but the number two is like, man, it's got an amazing view. You can just sit in a hot tub and just look out over everything, you know, see like five, six yeah. miles, you know? So it's, do you think it's important from your own personal experience? If you were going to pick a place to buy a short-term rental and start using it, would you, would you recommend somebody like, you know, go there? You know, if you're, if you're going to buy something in the Smokies, well then go stay in one at the Smokies and get the experience. And that'll give you a better perspective on what you're looking for. That's probably the smart thing to do. Yeah. I didn't do that. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hey, look, a lot of things are hindsight 2020, you know, I'm a a numbers guy. Like I am probably way more faith in numbers than I probably should have. But I'm, I am a try to remove emotion and like, is it numbers? Does it make sense? Does the deal make sense on paper? Yeah. Yes. And I do. I look at the properties before, you know, um, obviously before we purchase them. Sure. But, yeah. I mean, you're, you're uh, but it, but it's strictly numbers for me. Yeah. Um, I, in an example, I did find another um, floor plan. It's on the market right now. That's the exact same as these other two. And um, I, you know, with the way that the market's going and the rates and everything uh, it's been sitting out there, it's been on the market for six months. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, that's so weird. Why is what's wrong with this place? Yeah. It's gotten neglected. needs some maintenance, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, this is going to be great. Like I could probably offer them way under, yeah. maybe get them to pay some of my points or whatever, lower interest rate. Let's do it. So we were up there over Christmas. And of course, what do you do on your vacation? You look at home. So that's yeah. what I do. Anyways. <laughs> and um, so it looked at it, but the roads going up to this thing were awful. Yeah. Like, so getting there was a huge pain. Yes. Yeah, like there's yeah. no, I didn't, I didn't want to do it. Like, yeah. For and, that reason. And so, I but you were going to do that. You were going to see that because you were going to go there to buy it anyway. So you were going to experience yeah. that property. But that's, I'm just saying that that's just one part of the equation. Yeah. You know, um, is understanding like how are your people are going to access your vacation is going to access it. Is it easy? Is it, how's the parking? You yeah. Know? Um, but what are the numbers that you, do you have like a, did you like build out a spreadsheet for yourself to say, okay, well, this is what my rent, my mortgage is going to be. Here's what I expect the occupancy to be. Here's what the average, you know, nightly stays are up here. Okay. Yeah. Does this work? Does it not? Do you, did you build something out like that? Yeah, we've got a, um, a, I mean, if you're looking to get into short-term rentals, I would say even before you even have your, your dollars and cents saved up, just start analyzing deals. So yeah. we have a, a kind of a deal analyzer spreadsheet. Happy to share it with anybody, put it in the comments or something. Yeah. Get me your info and okay. uh, I'll send it. Um, but it's, it basically just breaks down like how much, how much do you think you can make? Uh, what's your mortgage? Uh, like uh, it's in like electricity and uh, water and internet, all this good stuff. Right. Um, HOA um, gives you like a, what's your cash on cash return? Like how much cash you need to put into the deal? How much do you net every year, you know, going forward? How long does it take you to get your money back? You know, right. these types of things. And so, yeah, um, I think I've, I got the basis of the spreadsheet from somebody and I kind of morphed it into my own. Yeah. Um, give you your own pieces to everyone. It's go through deals and just because um, usually not this market, but uh, you need to be able to act right whenever you see something. Right. And so if you're confident in your numbers and you're going through deals and you're analyzing it, when you're ready to go, um, if you've been doing this and you'll run the numbers and be like, yep, that one's for me. Right. Yep. Like it, it hits my boxes. It, 
you know what you're looking for. Your realtor will like you a lot more. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have to go see 20 different spots. Because and and that's another thing, right? When you go look at these short-term rentals, you're um, it's not like your traditional, unless you go like in January, or February, where it, maybe it's off season. Yeah, you can't get in a house. Oh yeah, no, we, yeah, we're because there's guests in there, mm-hmm. right? And yep. so if you're like, hey, we got to go house hunting, like you can't show it. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can drive and look at the outside and like, oh, that's great. Yeah. But I can't go in. No, because there's somebody um, there. Unless you got lucky and it's, uh, you know. You just hit it on the right something. time, yeah. Um, so it's different. Uh, you know, it, yeah. it requires that, that different level of just being ready and being prepped. Well, I think that there's, I think that there's an opportunity. And I know that there's, you know, I, I don't know what, what all's happened, but I know that there's some laws that are changing in different cities, do different things, what they'll allow for different short-term rentals and how many in the, the uh, and it's it's market by market. So it always changes. You hear stuff, especially in Dallas all the time around the stadium where they don't want to have people doing that kind of stuff there. And, and you see that. But I do think even with all that, um, with interest rates being higher and, you know, probably going to stay here for a little bit um, and the housing market slowing down, it creates opportunity. It creates a lot of opportunity for investors to come in. And um, if it's in the right area to set up, you know, these type of short-term rentals or long-term rentals. And so you'll see, and this is what we tell a lot of our buyers these days, like, look, right now, if you're willing to buy, because there's not a lot of people willing and able to buy, you're going to get a pretty good deal. And it's not always the price. Like you said, sometimes it's the seller's going to pay all your closing costs. They're going to help you buy points to get your rate down, to make it more manageable, to get your mortgage in a place where you can get a better um, you know, return on your cash. So it's it's something that um, if you have the means to be able to do it, which you know that's a whole other thing, but if you do, then there are opportunities and there are deals to be had right now. Whereas you know, if we get say 12 months down the road and rates get back into the fours or, you know, even low fives or whatever, and you have people hopping back on the train of purchasing homes, well, those deals dry up. And now, yeah, your rates lower, but now you're having to pay 20, 30 or 30, $40,000 over list price in order to get the house, which is what we were going through, you know, 24 months ago. So I think, I do think that right now there are opportunities to, to find good deals out there. And I think that if you look for them and you like you said, get your numbers together and and know what uh, what you want and 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 know why you're buying these properties. I think there are things to be to be found and had. So um, we're coming up on an hour and a half. So we've been going for a while. Uh, it goes by fast. But um, is there anything else before we roll out that uh, w- you want to leave us with, or anything that we didn't touch on? Yeah, I guess um, you know if you guys are um, interested in short term rentals, I'm always happy to talk to people give some advice, um, you know, to some degree anyways, mm-hmm. uh, you can find us at, uh, redglidergetaways.com. Uh, I've got some a phone number email on there. We'll put that in the comments yeah, in the different posts find and me stuff. there, uh-huh. but, um, you know, happy to, happy to talk, um, a bit. Um, if you are, uh, I am an Airbnb ambassador. So if you oh. are new, Do like you have a in, shirt or a badge? Or no, anything? I know. Right. A cape, <laughs> a cape. <laughs> Um, if you are looking to like do your first short term rental, um, you know, I do have like a, a link that I can send you that'll give you a little bit of a discount. Nice. Um, you know, as you do your first listing, that type of thing. Um, and it'll allow me to like do the ambassador and Airbnb. Like, um, there is a kick in it for me. Airbnb, sure. um, reimburse me a little bit for yeah. helping you, yeah. that type of thing. Yeah. But it's free, free to you. Um, it's just a free service, mm-hmm. but. Yep, that's uh, we're super happy to be here, man. I'm, yep. uh, I'm glad yep. that uh, I can 
help you out um, for all the pick and roll advice early on for, <laughs> well, for Addison yeah. and, uh, you know, letting her play. And uh, I'm, I'm really more uh, all I'm, these trophies that we won yeah. that, you know, Lady Wildcat <laughs> today is paying it back. That was a long time ago, but uh, those girls, I, I loved that stuff. I mean, it was, it was definitely something I really, really enjoyed doing. And, you know, I'm sure my, my uh, red, faced yelling from the sidelines is always entertaining to watch as well so you know it's funny uh, on my phone i uh you were texting me earlier today and it's it came up as uh coach mike Mitt, Co- coach mike <laughs> like, oh my God. i got a lot of those i got a lot of those Gold. um well i appreciate you man coming in and, and hanging out with me for a little bit um you know like i said this was a bit of a uh personal one too because i'm I've got two of them trying to figure out how to manage these the best way I can and, and looking for ways to kind of maximize our revenue. So I've definitely learned some stuff myself. We'll put all your um, contact information for your uh, red glider getaways in there. So everybody can take a look at that. And then uh, once you get your podcast up and rolling and start publishing episodes, you know, I'll share those out for you too, because I watched the first two you guys did and you know, you had a lot of great information stuff that I learned that, which is again, driver for me to bring you on here because I really, you know, I was like, man, I need to talk to him. I need to ask this. I need they're to ask pretty, this. They're pretty raw. Yeah. Well, Hey, look, <laughs> you know, look, this is, this is all stuff that we're all learning. We all learn how to do yeah. different things. So, um, but, uh, but I think as you do it more, you'll get better at it. And, and, uh, and I think it's already great. So I don't, you know, I don't think you have a lot of room to prove, but, um, but I do appreciate you coming in. And, uh, you know, once I get my next round of questions put together, after I dive a little deeper on these properties, I'm sure I'll have you back and we'll go through it again. So you can be my uh, short-term rental Yoda. Uh, that's the, uh, that's the goal at least. So, all right, brother. Well, I appreciate your time and, uh, we'll see everybody yep. later. Take care.